listening to the Sunday morning service from Harvest Bible Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Mark Butler. To learn more about us, please visit harvestbibleonline.org. Hey, if you have if you brought your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 3. God kind of, he gave me and dropped to me some things to share today. And, and like I said, I had a great time ministering at the first service. Because how many you know God wants to remind ourselves of some stuff? He just told me as I was preparing and, and looking at over the notes that I already have because I was uh, looking on the subject of healing and stuff. But he just said, no, I want to do this. I want to do this. And, and he has the right to change everything. How many of you know that? He's the one we want to hear. You know, hopefully he didn't come to hear me. I never come to hear me because, you know, that'd be bad. I come to hear what the Holy Spirit has to speak through me because I'm yielding to him, wanting to get his word out. I study, like I always tell people, I study like there is no Holy Ghost, but when I get up, I, don't, I just know that it's just him. It's his grace, his mercy, but I'm always studying with the Holy Spirit, too, as I study, but allowing God to I say, Lord, whatever you want to do, I guess I shouldn't say dangerous prayers because, you know, many times he always changes it because he knows who's coming. Do you know, God knew you were going to show up today, so he's got a word for you today. He's got something that he wants to bring life to you today. Amen? And, uh, you know, as he was reminding me and sharing with me about his wonderful covenant that he has given unto us. And most of us, you know, in America, we really don't know what a covenant is. We, you know, covenant is a contract, but because we live in America, contracts mean nothing. All you got to do is have a better lawyer than the other guy, so, uh, you know, to get out of it or whatever. No, it used to be our word was our bond, but in Old Testament times, and actually even in, in, in Eastern cultures and everything, and the Bible's an Eastern book, is that, that a covenant cannot be broken. And if it is broken, it's very serious, serious things. And God, the only way that God could tell the world who he was or how he is and what his nature is like or, you know, what he wants to do is he had to make a covenant with man. That's why he had to come down and make covenant with men. You know, we see the first covenant he made after Adam broke, you know, what he told him to do was he made a covenant with Abraham. Aren't you glad for Abraham? Glory to God. Hallelujah. But here in Galatians chapter 3, it talks about our covenant, that what we have, and also talks about that we've been redeemed from something, that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Now, that word redeem, most people don't understand. What does it mean to redeem? Well, if you redeem coupons, you use them, and then they give you the value of the coupon to take off the price of what you're doing. Well, when Jesus redeemed us, he redeemed us from poverty. He redeemed us from sickness, and he redeemed us from second death. Amen? That's the curse of the law. Aren't you glad for salvation? I'm going to stir you up. I'm not going to start preaching until I get to see, see if, you're, if you're actually here, if you just parked your carcasses here or not. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, because I want you to hear this because I believe it will help you immensely. I really, truly do because, you know, I love it when God changes everything. I love it. And like I said, I've already preached this twice. Once to me to make me really happy and then once to the nine o'clock. And now I get to preach it again to you and all you that are listening. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want you to understand what God's plan and purpose. So let's look at, at Galatians chapter three. Let's begin reading in verse nine. He said, but those who depend upon the law to make them right with God are under a curse. I want to stop right there for just a second. Let me just share what he's talking about. Because most of the time when we talk about the law, nobody even knows what that is. It's the the Mosaic covenant of what God did with him after the fact and all of these things here. So people could understand what was right and what was wrong. It's where we get the Ten Commandments. 
which was established on what is actually wrong. Did you know that before the commandments, Ten Commandments that said, Thou shalt not kill, that nobody knew it was wrong to kill? It went over real big. Yeah, oh, yes, no, you don't. They didn't know it was wrong to kill because there was no law that said it was wrong. Y'all got nervous. Y'all want to ask me, we want to go back to that. So nobody knows. No, you don't want to go back to that, okay? You don't want to go back to those things. Why do I share that with you? Is because people don't understand without the Bible, without the Word of God, without the things that are taken, without God explaining what was right and wrong, man had no idea what was right or wrong. Amen? And here's another thing that it says here. But those who depend upon the law to make them right with God are under his curse. Let me just say it another. Those that depend on works or those that depend on themselves to make themselves right with God are under a curse. How many of you know you on your best day can't impress God? Okay. And yet we look at God and most people's idea of God is that he's this big meanie up there or he is God and we've got, we've got to be careful about what we do at all. And, and we don't understand his character, his nature, his love. You know, we just sang about the love of God. And when you understand God's love, it'll change your course. It'll change everything about you. Let's keep reading. Hallelujah. Then he said this, for the scripture said, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. But the scriptures... Uh, for the scriptures say if it is through faith that a righteous person has life this way of faith is very different from the way of law or the way of works which says it, it is through obeying the law that a person has life but Christ has redeemed us or rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he, he was hung on the cross he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing for it is written in the scriptures cursed is everyone who was hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promise or the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Now, Abraham was understanding this because in Genesis chapter 17 and, and verse 1 and 2, it says that when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and he said to him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me, be blameless, and I will make my covenant between you or between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Have you know that your Christianity, your relationship, your covenant is between you and the Lord Jesus Christ? You need to know that this is a salvation and it's personal. It's personal. It's a personal thing. Yes, we're part of the body of Christ. Yes, we need to come together in unity. But glory to God, when you know that you and Jesus make a majority in your life, hallelujah, and all of the promises of God are yours, and it's a covenant between you and him. When you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you made a covenant with him. You gave up your life for his life. He had so much better for us. Why is that so important? Because so many people don't take hold of the word of God. What happens is is they try to do what the Old Testament says. See, the Old Testament says you do something, then God will do something. The New Testament says God's already done all these things. We believe that, so we act because of what God did. Why is that so important? Because we walk by faith of what God did. We know what he did. In the Old Testament, you're doing not knowing what God's going to do. You're thinking of what he's going. But see, in the New Testament, we know. 
We know. We know. Isn't it amazing that John said in 1 John chapter 5, when he wrote this, 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, he said, this is the confidence that we have in him, in Christ Jesus, that if we ask anything according to his will or his word, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. We know, we know, we know. We know, you know, John, he, he, he was very positive. He said, we know this, we know this, we understand this. Why do I make this personal? It's because we need to understand the character and the nature of God, that we've been redeemed from things, but we need to know what God said about us and what he said for us, and we need to take hold of God, his picture of who he really, really is. Amen. So I want to give you some of the things. I want to share about the names of God. I've shared different things in the past many years ago. But I want to give you this, just, and there's more than these names. There's tons of them. But I want to give you the seven redemptive names of God that actually show us Jesus in the Old Testament, but also show us Jesus in the New Testament. And the reason being is because I want you to take these in line with if the enemy's attacking your body with sickness, or he's attacking your life with lack, or he's attacking uh, uh, you know, relationships that are around. Whatever's going on with you, God said, this is who I am in that situation. God said, this is who I am. This is what I'll be. And how many of you know that God's no respecter of persons? So if God did it for one person in the Bible, he'll do it for all of us. But you got to make it personal. Amen? You got to make it personal. See, God wants to, his desire is to show you his unfathomable love that he has to us. God loved us so much, you know. He loved Adam and, and, and Eve when he, you know, when he loved Adam, when he made Adam and Adam, and then Adam and Eve sold out to the devil, you know. And the devil became the god of this world when Adam and Eve sinned, because Adam was in charge of the earth. Adam was given dominion. Adam was given authority, and he turned around and surrendered that authority when he surrendered to Satan and sinned. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 says this. It says, whom the God of this world hath blinded their eyes. Well, how did he become the God of this world? If God created the heavens and the earth, if God created Adam and Eve, God, how did Satan become the God of this world? He came through it when Adam sinned and messed up. Because as soon as Adam sinned, Adam became spiritually dead. He didn't die physically. God said, if you eat this tree, you're going to die. He didn't die physically. He died spiritually. He died. He was separated from God. He was afraid of God. He ran and hid. Remember when he came out and said, I was afraid. I was naked. Who told you you were naked? Because before that, in chapter 2, it says they were naked and unashamed. They just figured that was the clothes they had because that was the clothes the animals had. They didn't. There was no. But see, what happened was when they did it, when they sinned, when there was disobedience, then there was fear. And Satan became the God of this world then and caused all game. But God had a plan. Aren't you glad for a plan? Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so when we understand what the word of God says, it changed. God had a desire to to show and to prove his love to us. So he went around and he said, I'm going to make a covenant. I'm going to have a covenant relationship with you. I want to tell you and show you who I am. When you find out how great Jesus is, nobody can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can. You're like the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8 there. What can separate us from the love of God? Neither death, nor life, nor principality, nor, nor, any, nor things to come, nor things under the... Nothing's going to separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. Amen? 
When you understand God's great love, but then you get to understand who he is and what he has for your life. Amen. See, each one of these names, and and we look at this, we say, oh, isn't that wonderful what it says? But each one has a meaning, and it's a meaning for you and I. Amen. See, there was that covenant with Abraham. You remember Abraham, that covenant that God did with him is that he said, hey, I'm going to make you, I'm going to do a covenant. But then in in Genesis 22, he says, Abraham, he calls him Abraham because he tells him he's going to have a son. He ends up having Isaac. He's in love with Isaac. Isaac's his only son, even though he has Ishmael. You know, but he's got Isaac. And, says, and then here's what happens is, is God says, okay, I want you to take Isaac and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Wow. Abraham says, okay. He takes him. He takes his son. They've got the wood. They've got the fire. They're going up the mountain. And Isaac says, hey, dad, we got everything we need except we don't have a sacrifice. And what does Isaac say? Or what does Abraham say? He says, hey, God's going to provide. No problem. God's going to provide. They get up there. He ties him. He gets up to, to kill him. And the angel stays his hand. Hallelujah. And, 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 and God says this. He says, Abraham, don't hurt him. And the angel says, he said, I know now because you've not withheld your only son to me. Hallelujah. And, and then Abraham turns around and he sees a ram caught in the thicket. And he brings him and he sacrifices. And he, and he calls that place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And it really means the Lord will provide always. Everybody say always. always. Sounds like 2 Corinthians 2.14. God always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I love that. Probably the best study I ever did in the Greek, in the Hebrew, and the Arabic, and English. And the greatest thing I ever did in the Bible is I went through and I studied on the word all. You know what it means in every language? All. Man. You see, you, don't, you didn't get it. You, you're just like, yeah. But when you understand that it actually means what it means, that somebody can't take it away from you, and always means always. Always means always, it's all the time. See, if we look at those little words, we think, hey, no big deal, but that's a big word. Because when you tell me I can have it all, woo, come on. Amen. I can have the whole thing. But he said the first covenant name that that God did was Jehovah Jireh. I will provide always. Aren't you glad that God will provide always? Now, you do know that if Abraham hadn't offered up Isaac, God couldn't send Jesus and offer up his son. See, I always get a dead silence on that. Because everybody thinks, well, God could, God could, no, no, no. See, that's the problem, is that God made man, gave the earth to, to, to Adam. Adam sold out, so man had to get a covenant with God so God could work through man to get the earth back. Sorry, he had to do that, because see, God's righteous. God couldn't just come down, well, I'm just going to move right now. I'm just going to do what I want to do. God would act like the devil if he did that. God couldn't do that because God's righteous and true and perfect. And what God said, hallelujah, he, when God does something, he does it. Amen. So he had to turn around, hallelujah. And when Abraham did it, he said, aha, I asked him to give his. So now I have a covenant with him. That gives me the right to give mine. And when I give mine, it's going to be for the whole world. Hallelujah. See, because we're in covenant with each other. We are in covenant, so what you do, I can do. And it gave God the right, and God had a plan, but God had to find a man who would believe him, and he found a man, Abraham, who would believe him. 
See, that's why God's looking for you to believe him. See, that's why you make this personal when everybody else is saying, oh, that doesn't work. You can't have that. That doesn't work. You got to look at this. Because, see, I remember reading the Bible. I got all excited. I'm studying. I'm looking. Then everybody got excited about Greek and Hebrew. So you had to read it and that. You had to go look at this, that word. And I love it because it helps us. But the problem is, is that many times you're believing something and this word works. This scripture actually produced in your life. And then somebody comes along and says, uh, you're using that wrong. That's like telling the chicken when he pecked there and got the food. I mean, he was going to keep pecking because the food did come out. So if you come to me and you say, listen, I say, well, you know, isn't it amazing what God can do with a wrong scripture? Man, just think what he can do if we get a right one. But with a wrong one, I got healed. With a wrong one, I got prosperity. With the wrong, me taking this, turned around and changed everything. Amen. I mean, God can do all kinds of things. You know, we want to take the word of God and try to try to try to uh, use it for our own good. But yet God, God takes it. He says, listen, he just enlightens us and his word is life unto it. See, God had to make covenants so that people would know who he was. So then he would have covenant names. And his very first name was, I'm going to provide. How many you know God's going to provide? He is, no matter what, God's going to provide for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Then in Exodus, you know, they were having all kinds of things, hallelujah, going on and things were happening because there was a rebellion. And you know, those people coming out of Egypt were rebellious. Golly, God blesses them. God takes them out. There's not one feeble. There's not nobody sick. God's providing their shoes don't wear out. Their clothes don't wear out. I mean, they're being fed with manna. And yet they were the most complaining, disgruntled bunch of people you ever had. Amen. And all of a sudden, sickness starts coming because there's rebellion. And then God comes down and he says, I am the Lord, your healer. I am the God that healeth thee. I am Jehovah Rapha, or I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord, your healer. Aren't you glad that he's our healer? He is. You know, when you hear words like inoperable or you hear words like uh there's no hope or you hear words like well you're terminal you know those are all big words the only problem is is that and those are all words that you know they use because it means they can do no thing but tell me you know god doesn't use the words terminal God doesn't use the word inoperable. God doesn't use the word impossible. Hallelujah. In the sense, because he's like, he always does the impossible. When I say he doesn't use that word, that's the word that he always says, I do the impossible. Because he also says, when you're going to exercise your faith, you only exercise your faith for the impossible, not the possible. See, it's funny to me. People always talk about faith, but they're always using faith for things they can actually do. You don't take too much faith to do that. It didn't take very much faith for you to come in here and sit yourself in that chair. That's a pretty sturdy chair, you know, even though these chairs are, you know, from 98 till now. So these are, these are 23-year-old chairs. So these are old chairs. And yet you came down and just plopped yourself right down in there expecting that sucker to hold you. And it did. Okay. Because, you know, you had faith to believe for that, natural faith, that it was going to do that. But see, spiritual faith, you use your faith for the impossible. Like the woman with the issue of blood who spent all the money she had. She went to all the physicians and she could get and was nothing better, which means she's terminal, which means there's no hope. But then all of a sudden she hears of Jesus. Jesus is the healer. Hallelujah. Jesus is the healer. People are getting healed. And she's thinking to herself, man, if I can just get into his presence, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be healed. 
And she kept saying that until she got there. And the crowd fought her way through, touched his head, and was healed. In fact, Jesus stopped and turned around and said, who touched me? And the disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. Well, how come everybody didn't get healed? Nobody got healed. Jesus didn't stop because everybody was throng. Everybody was touching him. Because, see, some people were touching him to see if anything would happen. Some people were touching him because, ooh, I got to touch him. Because he was a famous person. But she touched him with a hand of faith. And he knew that virtue came out of him. Funny thing about it is, is when he turned and, and saw her that it, this had happened to and she told him everything, he didn't say, daughter, my power healed you. But you know that his power did heal her. But that's not what he said. He said, daughter, your faith has made you whole because your faith is what tapped into my power. Why is that so important? It's because God, we look at the, the, what God has done and what he, he has done for us and all things he did through the cross and we look at all this uh, that's taking place. Wow. Then we can go and receive from that because we, we've heard of Jesus. Jesus is the healer. Amen. Jesus is the healer. See, when you understand Jehovah, see, God wanted to reveal, you know, who he was. Because you remember, you know why they, everybody couldn't believe that Jesus was the son of God? Because he didn't have a big rod. He didn't rule with a rod, and he didn't come in, and he didn't kill. He didn't come in, and he didn't command. And he didn't. Jesus came in, and Jesus gave a brand new word. You know, Jesus invented a new Greek word. You know what that Greek word was? It was agape. It was the love of God. It was the unconditional love of God. They couldn't handle love. Jesus came in and he was all in there like, whoa, this is crazy. But it was because of the love of God. See, God wanted to show who he really was because in John, remember in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, says this, it says that God is love. Amen, he doesn't have love, he isn't. Amen, he is love. So he is this person. And yet if you read the Old Testament, you go, man, this God of love said, kill them all. Don't let any of them kids kill them all. Massacre them and just wipe them out. And everybody's like, dude, this is a scary dude in the, in the Old Testament. I mean, he is. We're trying to, we know. And you have to understand, he's trying to preserve a, 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 a holy race in a, in a place so that the Messiah could be born, so his son could be born, and his son could die and be the savior of the world. Amen. There was a plan and a purpose of what was taking place, and he was showing and seeing what he was doing. But see, not only that, God comes on, and then he begins to share and talk to us about that he's Jehovah Nisi. In Exodus, you know, chapter 17, he said, the Lord is our banner. And I used to remember we sing that his banner over me is love and talk about the Lord being our banner. But what does that mean? We got banners out here that just tell you what's going on, you know. But really, that word banner in the Old Testament and what it's talking about is the Lord is our victory. Aren't you glad that he's your victory? Amen. Why is that important? If you don't understand that he's your victory, then you think you're going to have an opportunity to lose. <laughs> Amen. And yet God always causes you to triumph. You say, yeah, but I'm losing. No, you just got to keep playing. You might have lost that round. That don't mean you lose. You might have lost that quarter. You might have lost that half. But the game ain't over. Because see, read the back of the book. We win. Your life ain't over. If you're, if you're breathing, you ain't lost. Well, I lost this or this. Yeah, you might have lost a round or two, but you might have lost a quarter or two, but you ain't, it, you're not done. God always causes you to triumph. God always got to. Why? Because he's the Lord, your victory. Amen. Amen. 
So, well, you're just trying. No, I'm just trying to tell you what the Bible says. You do your own thing. You can do, you know, you can, you can be defeated. The key to it is you've got to walk by faith in believing what the Word of God says. God says, this is who I am. If you want me to be that way, I'll be that way to you. If you don't want me, he's a perfect gentleman. He won't do it. He won't force himself on anybody. I mean, if he wasn't going to do that, he'd force himself. He'd just make everybody get saved. We'd go into the millennium tomorrow. I know that. He's, he's, he's smart enough to do that. Amen? Hallelujah. But he said that he's our banner. He's our victory. Amen? In what John 16, 33 says, you know, it, you know, in the world you shall have tribulation. But then he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Amen? God always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. God gives us the victory. The next verse says that so that the fragrance, Amen? can be made manifest everywhere we go. I always like to tell people, take a deep breath. Smells like victory to me. He always causes you to triumph. And the problem is, is that we think triumph, that we're supposed to triumph over people. No, we're to triumph over the enemy. We're to triumph over circumstances. We're to triumph over sickness, sickness and disease. Amen. Hallelujah. Letting God be God and taking hold of what God said about this. God told us this. God began, began to deal with our heart. He did so many wonderful things. Amen. He went on to say that he's Jehovah Shalom, which is the Lord our peace. We've used that word in so many different facets, but I don't think most people understand how the peace of God that passes all understanding is supposed to guard your heart and mind. That's what Philippians said. And that word shalom means perfect peace. It means nothing missing, nothing broken. You know, Isaiah 26, 3 says, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And it really means he'll keep him in peace, peace, or double peace. And what that peace does is you just begin to know, wait a minute, God. You are my peace. Hallelujah. Which means you're my comfort. You're my peace. Hallelujah. I, I should be terrified right now. I should be messed up here. I, I should be worried about this. I should be, all these things should be causing all this thing in my life. But for some reason, I got this with you. I'm okay. Your peace is sustaining me. Amen, because he said he would give you his peace, and it's a peace that passes your understanding. Aren't you glad, hallelujah, that God is bigger than your brain, and he's smarter than you? Now, see, some of you, that upsets you. That, it's just an, he's bigger than you. He's stronger. He's, he's smarter than you, and glory to God, he knows how to help when you don't know how to help. Amen? See, these are names that God said. These are the, these are the, we see this with Jesus is our healer. Jesus is our peace, the Bible says. You know, Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, but my peace. How do you know Jesus had some peace in the midst of things? He didn't let anything get to him. But he said, my peace I'm going to give to you. Wow. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. And then it's long-suffering. We don't like that word. That's a bad word. But anyways, it's long-suffering, then gentleness, then goodness, then meekness, then faithfulness, and then temperance. We don't like long-suffering and temperance, which is teachableness. And then long-suffering means you've got to put up with everybody else that's hanging out around you. But that's okay. All right. He goes on to tell us here in another name is Jehovah Rohi, which is the Lord our shepherd. Aren't you glad that God and the Lord Jesus is your shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When you get the real revelation of the Lord being your shepherd, your want goes way down of natural things. 
See, that goes over real big too. Yeah. Y'all okay? Y'all shouting on the TV van. I know it. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, I always humorously say that, but I know you're sitting there going, I don't know if that's true or not. No. The Lord is our shepherd. And since he's our shepherd, hallelujah, we get the privilege of enjoying his guidance in our lives. John chapter 10 said, we know the voice of our shepherd and we won't listen to somebody else. We get to listen to him. He's our shepherd. We shall not. He leads us into still waters. He leads us into green pastures and besides still waters. Amen. When the Lord is your shepherd, you're like, he's my protector. He's my shepherd. He's going to leave the 99. If I mess up and go astray, he's going to leave them. He's going to come and get me and bring me back. See, why did God say that? Because God wanted us to know who he is in the midst of what's going on. We forget in the midst, we think we have to earn it. We think we have to work for it. We think we have to believe for it. And we use believe and believing as a work. Instead of trusting and resting. Because see, when you're in believing and you're really truly believing, you have joy and peace. See, because the Bible says in Romans 15, 13, says that in believing, we have joy and peace. See, you thought I made that up. No, it's a scripture. See, when you have joy and peace, that's when you're believing. It's not when you're trying to believe. I got to believe all this is going to happen once again. And you're trying to make yourself think you're believing instead of saying, all right, Lord, I need some peace. I need, I need Jehovah Shalom to be here. Hallelujah. I need to know that you're Jehovah, that you're my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. That you're the one, you lead me beside still waters. You lead me into green pastures. You help me to lie down and rest in peace. That even though I may, you know, walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear no evil because the Lord's going to prepare a table before me right in the middle of that valley, right in the middle before all of that enemy that's there. Glory to God. Why? Because the Lord is Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. Hallelujah. And he is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord, my healer. He is my God. Jesus is this. Because I have a covenant with Jesus. When I made Jesus the Lord of my life, I got everything and every aspect of God given unto me. So I got this provider. I got this healer. I got this peace. I got this shepherd. Amen. And I got this victory. I got this person who's a banner. Glory to God. And, you know, the, the next thing he said, this is, he said, you are Jehovah to Sid Canoe, which means you, you are my righteousness. And you know what's amazing about this? And I got to hurry up here. Because, but you know what's amazing about when the, the first time that the Lord said, you're my righteousness, is in Jeremiah. He gets Jeremiah and he tells Jeremiah, I prophesy that I'm going to raise up uh, a person of righteousness. I'm going to raise up, here it is, that's going to have this, that's going to uh, be amazing. And it, I, I'm going to be the Lord, the righteous one, out of the righteousness. You know, hallelujah. I am going to be Jehovah. I'm going to be the Lord, you know, our righteousness, which is our righteousness. Amen. And I find that so crazy because how many of you know about the prophet Jeremiah? Do you know about the book of Jeremiah? It's a big book in the, in the Old Testament. And he was called the weeping prophet. You say, why was he called the weeping prophet? Because he never had anything good to say. He was always going around telling them how terrible they were and how bad it was going to be. And they were going to be in captivity. Here's what was going to happen. And even when he gets down to this one about God's going to, he who is the Lord, your righteousness, he's the God's going to be your righteousness. God's going to be this, but it's going to be, you're not going to say, no longer are you going to say that, oh, look, look at the God who took us out of Egypt, but you're going to say the God that brought us back down from the north out of Babylon and all that there. You're going to say that because you're going to, you're going to be 70 years in captivity, but you're going to say that's what, and God's 
going to raise up one that's going to be the righteous one. Talking about Jesus. But the key, because you remember in Daniel, Daniel's reading the book of Jeremiah and he reads in there and says, you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. Daniel goes, wait a minute. We went in in this year and it's 70 years. Whoa, we need to be delivered. It's more than 70 years. Why aren't we delivered? Because nobody's asking God to deliver. Well, God said, but nobody's asking. So Daniel says, wait a minute, I'm going to ask. He sets himself to ask, and God delivers. Amen? See, we see things, and we see what happens. But why is this so important? Because many times, we get to looking around at ourselves. And I can imagine Jeremiah doing this. He's ministering. You know, his whole life, nobody liked him. That's going to help somebody here. Because you may think, ain't nobody ever liked me. Well, if you've been doing, you know, if you're not doing the right things, we'll repent. But if you're in a situation to where as many times, because every time you show up, you know, I mean, for me, every time I show up at anything, I'm the, I'm the preacher. And I've been that my entire life since I was 19. So all of my life, I've been the preacher, the pastor showing up. Oh, you know, when and that's, it, I just show up and it's like, uh, can't do this now. The pastor's here. It's like, well, what were you going to do? I don't know. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I just need to go. You guys, you know, that's usually why I never stay for uh, wedding receptions or afterwards things or anything, just graduation parties. Just be there for a few moments, then leave. Just say, hey, it's all good. You know, let's say the, I, do the, I do the benediction or do the, you know, the, do the opening prayer. I just hope they don't want me to stick around for the benediction. It's all good. So you just want to say, hey, here, we'll do this. But why? Because... When, when you show up, people think, well, we can't have any fun. The pastor's here. But I don't know what kind of fun. I have fun. We have a blast. We enjoy life. So, but I'm just sharing. What happened with Jeremiah is every time nobody liked his whole, I mean, the whole book, he's just, and he only is is prophesying about how bad they are, what they're doing. And God, I mean, and here he is doing this. And you can just imagine, then God says, guess what? I am Jehovah to sit again. I'm your righteousness. He's like. You mean I've been doing right for 30, 40 years here? No, ain't nobody liking me. You know, everything you have me say, everybody's upset. They get mad. They want to kill me. They want to, they're just frustrated. How would you like to have that for your whole life? For 40 years, all you did was tell everybody how lousy they are. Some of you probably couldn't do good at that, but that don't even go there, okay? <laughs> we well, need to repent, okay? Because, uh, you, you know, you, you, the thing about it is, but see, why is that so important? Because over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, Paul writing to the Corinthians church said this. He said, he who knew no sin was made sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you know you're in right standing with God, then you're not thinking that you've got to get good enough to receive healing. You're not good enough for God to meet your needs. You don't have to do something extra to receive from God because you know you're okay with God. See, see, many times when the enemy attacks, especially if he's attacked with something that's terminal, inoperable, or he's attacked with something that's like, what are we gonna, how are we going to handle this? How do we handle it? We handle it by going to God and say, God, you're my provider, so you provide. You already knew this ahead of time. Hallelujah. You're my healer. And if you're my healer, I need to trust you, but you're also my peace. Hallelujah. You're my shepherd. Glory to God. You're my, you're my victory, so I know victory is inevitable. Victory is mine. Hallelujah. And you're also, you're my righteousness. So you're the one that enables me to be in right standing with you. And the last one, the last, the seventh name that I'm going to give to you is simply uh, Jehovah Shammah, which the Lord 
is present. And this is the one that really the Lord just spoke to my heart. You need to know that the Lord is present. Did you know that the power of the Lord is present to heal right now in this service? It always is. Anytime we come together, we got that by Luke chapter 5. It says when they gathered together, there was Pharisees and lawyers and all this. And the power of the Lord was present to heal. Why was the power of the Lord present? Because Jesus was there. Guess what? Jesus is here. Because the Bible says, Jesus said, if two of you, two or three of you gather together, I'm going to be right there in the midst of you. I'm going to be listening to what you're saying. I'm going to take what you say and take it before the Father. Because if there's two or three that you get in agreement and whatever you agree on earth, hallelujah, the Father's going to do it. That's what he said. He said, anytime you gather together, you know, get together, hallelujah, I, the Lord is present. But you know what's so amazing too? Is that God said he never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord's present with you all the time because you have that same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. If that same spirit, Romans chapter 8, 11, that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, it's going to quicken your mortal body. Amen. We've got that same spirit that Romans 6, 4 said that he raised up Christ from the dead. So we ought to walk in newness of life. That same spirit. Jesus is with us. The Holy Spirit's with us. The Lord Jesus. They said, so he is present. And when you acknowledge his presence, when you acknowledge who he is, that he is present right now, he is here. I mean, when you say, well, no, the Lord's here. The Lord's here. The Lord is here. Amen. But see, you still got to take, it still takes faith to receive. It does. It takes faith to receive. Amen. It just says, look at the Lord. And if he's here, and if he's here, and the more supernatural that you understand that, the more supernatural he wants to touch your life, the more he wants to, he wants to change everything in your life. But why is it so important to know that he's here? Hallelujah. Because most people think, well, have you ever said this? God, where are you? Now, I know y'all holy. But I've said that a few times. Okay, God, where are you in this situation? I want to find out where you're at. I know that you're supposed to be here, but... From all looks and circumstances and feelings, I'm by myself. <laughs> now, I'm going to take my faith because I know that you never leave me. No, and, and I've got to remind myself because he is there. Now, I don't know about you, but I always have to stir up and remind myself. I, I, you know, I don't wake up and go, glory. That doesn't work. You can ask her. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, no, this is not, you know, and uh, it's like, hey, we, there's some issues we've got to deal with first, you know. And, uh, you know, things that you got to, you know. But when I say that is knowing we've all got to remind ourselves. Why did I give you these seven names? Let's wrap this up. Because in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of sickness or disease or the midst of lack or the midst of frustration or the, the midst of not knowing, we need to know who our God is and what our covenant rights are and who he is to us. Amen? That he is a Lord that will provide. Hallelujah. That he's a Lord that's here. He's present. God's not absent. He said he would never leave us nor forsake us. Remember? Hebrews 13. You know, 5 and 6. It says, you know, the Lord is here. He's with us. I will not fear, you know, what man can do unto me. Amen? It says he's with us. He's here. So when you understand that, things change in your life. Amen? He's present. What is he present to do? He's present to bring peace. 
He's present to be my shepherd. He's present to be my healer. He's present to be my victory. He's present to be my righteousness. He's present, hallelujah, to be here, to just show me things. And, and all those things, I have a right to ask him because I have a covenant with him because I'm his child. Hallelujah. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. Amen. We take hold of that. God does supernatural things. Quickens on the inside. See, we've been trying to work for it. No, glory to God. Now we just get to receive by faith and allow God to be God because that's who he is to you and I. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you. We love you. We praise you and thank you, Father, because of your great love that you have toward us. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all of these folks that are here. They're so precious. My heart is today is that they would know how amazing you are, how amazing Jesus is to be our provider, to be our peace, to be our healer, to be our righteousness, hallelujah, to be very present all the time, to be our victory, hallelujah. Lord, we honor you today because we thank you that you're our all in all. And because we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that changed everything in our life. The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ changed everything for us. And so, Father, as we bow our heads this morning, if there's anybody here or anybody watching that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior, Because knowing Jesus as our Lord and our Savior brings all of these other attributes into being. But the greatest miracle in all the world is knowing Jesus and believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth the Lord Jesus so that we could be saved. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you for it. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, And when I say that, you may know of him, you know know about him, you may even believe in him, but you know in your heart that you don't have a personal covenant relationship with him. That if you were to die today, that you'd make heaven and miss hell. Or also that you you don't know about that covenant relationship, you know about how, how strong is our relationship, that you may need to recommit your life and take hold and say, here I am, Lord. And you may be watching this. You may say, hey, see, it's so easy because it's so easy. Jesus said this. He said that what's easier to say your sins are forgiven or to be born again or to take up your bed and walk or to be healed. He said it's the same thing. Jesus said if we believe in our heart and we would confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, we shall be saved. It's simply believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth, but believing something so strongly that you believe it, that you say and you act upon it, and your life gets changed. So if you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor, would you pray for me? Just raise your hand real high and I'll pray. We'll pray. We'll lead you in a prayer. Hallelujah. And it's you believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. That's what causes salvation to come. Somebody says it's too easy. No, it's not too easy. It's just God made it all on the same level. We all can, anybody can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Father, thank you for every person here. Thank you, Father, for your amazing grace. Lord, we do pray for the lost because we want the heathen for our inheritance. We want people to be born into the kingdom of God. So anybody watching this, let them know how much you love them. We've sung about your love and we've ministered. It's your great love. You wanted to show this is who I am. This is who you are. 
That was your covenant name. Father, we thank you for that. Thank you, Father. I just trust the Holy Spirit has, has ministered to the hearts of the hearers that they know how to take hold and let God be God in their life. Let Jesus be all that he wants to be in their lives. Father, I thank you for health and healing over Harvest Bible Church. Hallelujah. Health and healing. Hallelujah. Over Harvest Bible Church. Every lion symptom of sickness, disease be gone. Hallelujah. And Father, also, I, I truly believe that, you know, as I said by the Spirit of God in the first service, and the Lord just reminded me again for this service and for those that are watching. But there are those who have been weeping and they feel a little bit like Jeremiah. But let me just say this, that the son of righteousness is going to rise with healing in his wings. That when you know that the Lord is your righteousness, that he is, Jehovah to Sidkenu, that he is your righteousness. That listen, you may have been ridiculed or been beaten or because of doing right things, but you know what? When you're doing things for God, don't let anything else stop you because God is your righteousness. Hallelujah. And he'll vindicate you. The battle is the Lord's, it's not yours. But you just let and you just stand in the righteousness of God. If you'll stand in that righteousness, you'll be set free. Good things will be taking place. Hallelujah. We believe that with all of our hearts. So take hold of it. Don't get weary in well-doing. The Bible says if you don't cast away your confidence, you'll receive. After you've done the will of God, you'll receive the promise. So, and this is the thing. Don't let go of the promise. Don't let go of the promise. We've got promises in the word of God. We've got things that God said that are promises. And you've got scripture and you can take hold. You hang on to the scriptures. You hang on to the promises of God. And you know that it's his righteousness that enables you to receive. Because he's the one that made you righteous. Right standing with him. And he's your provider. He's your healer. He's your victory. Hallelujah. He's your peace. Just let the peace that passes all understanding guard your heart. Father, I thank you for that. And I pray that over not only those specifically, but for this whole congregation. Father, let your hand be done. Father, we just thank you that the best is continuing yet to come because we're getting closer and closer to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we honor you for it now. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Harvest Bible Church in Stockton, California. If you live in the area, we would love to have you join us at one of our services on Sundays and Wednesdays. You can check us out at harvestbibleonline.org for location and times. We hope to see you soon.